Weirdo bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. What's up, genre junkies? This is Sandra. And this is Scott. And welcome to a very, very, very exciting episode, uh, broadcasting to you all the way from quarantine at genre junkies headquarters (laughs) yep um we got some really exciting stuff on the episode tonight we are talking about a horror book the return and not only that we we have an an interview with the author rachel harrison who's lovely and amazing uh did a call with us from the east coast and it was incredible to get to talk to her about this book we love talking to authors and it makes it even better when we feel some sort of way about their work (laughs) so um before we get into that um i have a confession to make you have a confession Mm-hmm. Confess. Confess. I'm addicted to Animal Crossing. <laughs> I love it so much. I love I love playing it on my bright yellow Switch. And I um I haven't had the game very long. So like I'm still trying to like build up my my you know, my little island. But um my island is called Candy Corn. You know, if you want to stop so it. So perfect and appropriate for you. Yes. So other than that, um, I don't have a whole whole lot of stuff to say uh, as far as like you know, kind of genre stuff I've been experiencing. Still doing all of our <laughs> podcasts that I'm, that I'm involved in and YouTube shows from a distance. Um, watching some Channel Zero. I hope to watch a horror movie today. Just escaping into horror, mostly my happy place. That and Animal Crossing. And for me, I've been teaching myself live streaming and live broadcasting and getting into all of that to yeah, assist producer, producer you know, extraordinaire. Sandra's many shows. And it's been it's been an experience. It's been a, a steep learning curve, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I hope you all are enjoying quarantine as well. And you're staying safe and healthy and happy and reading lots of good books. And if you're looking to pick something up, why not The Return by Rachel Harrison? I'll tell you a little bit about it. Julie is missing, and no one believes she will ever return except Elise. Elise knows Julie better than anyone and feels it in her bones that her best friend is out there and that one day Julie will come back. She's right. Two years to the day that Julie went missing, she reappears with no memory of where she's been or what happened to her. Along with Molly and May, their close friends from college, the women decide to reunite at a remote inn. But the second Elise sees Julie, she knows something is wrong. She's emaciated, with sallow skin and odd appetites. And as the weekend unfurls, it becomes impossible to deny that the Julie who vanished two years ago is not the same Julie who came back. But then who or what is she? So I feel like that is a that is the description of a story that we've read or watched before. But this book does something very unique with the premise. Yes. So let me just kind of start out by saying in many, many ways, I felt like this book was really tailor made for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cover is mostly hot pink and black which is my aesthetic. 
and it just is creepy and foreboding. And when you open it up, the book is hot pink and black, including the writing on the spine. So just just from just looking at it, I'm like, oh, it's right up your alley. Yeah, it's totally for me. This book, before I'd even seen the cover, I'd heard the premise, and it was one of my most anticipated reads of the year of 2020. So I had a lot writing on this book, and. I was not disappointed. Nor was I. This book is a banger. <laughs> it's a banger. Did you hear that, everyone? A real banger. <laughs> um, it's really good, though. It's really good. I feel like... I, I love... Okay, so we already talked about... I love horror. Horror is my happy place. And there's so much room in horror for so many different experiences and voices and you know, stories to come out. And I feel like horror needs Rachel Harrison. I said it. I feel like it needs it. I feel like our beloved genre needs and can benefit from Rachel Harrison and her type of storytelling and her type of characters uh, because she loves horror too. She's she's the real deal. Um, and she is the real deal in how she writes and the characters and the way she presents things. And I found this to be a really fresh and original voice and story. The characters in particular are Rachel's biggest strong point in this Definitely. story. They're so unique and individual and and they're realistic. They're real people with real flaws and real strengths mm -hmm. and they're handled in very human ways. I, I feel that these characters truly exist. Yeah, I, um, I'm i devastated to think about the idea that these ladies are not existing somewhere in the world uh, and living their lives. Because I'm like, no, no, I know them. I totally know them. Like, they're friends of mine. They're fine. They're real. They're real. This is fine. But what's strong is they, those, those women do exist. Those yes. women do exist because they're... We we know women like these women. We yeah. know people that these are real, honest women. Yeah, we're not talking about a Sex in the City like this person fits into this trope, no. and this first person is you know the the shy one, and this one is the outgoing no. one. This isn't even the Golden Girls. These are real people, <laughs> and that's no shade against the Golden Girls, by the way, because we stay on the Golden Girls in in this in this genre junkies household. Um, <laughs> but no, I totally agree. Um, we've often said on this, you know, on our show, you could turn into a drinking game every time we say how much we love flawed characters and how characters are flawed, you could take a shot because that's a huge thing for us because, you know, the people we love in our real lives, they're flawed too. We're flawed. And it, it's so much so much easier to relate and care about somebody when they're not some like idealized version of anything. And um, the characters in this story are diverse and they're different. They're diverse, not only in like physical and ethnicity, but just like in who they are and what they like, but they're all friends because they all really love each other. And it's just, it's so true to life. It's so, that's how your friend group is. Strong friend circles, people are not necessarily, especially when especially when the, the circle has been created since you were in high school or college, your interests and your 
your similarities don't necessarily overlap very much. Or but, they could uh, change, yeah. But, uh, but, but the, a bond of common friendship is still what holds you together. Yeah, and I'm really fascinated by friendship stories, specifically female friendships. And I've even um, dipped a toe into, you know, obsessive female friendships, but uh, female friendships nonetheless. And, you know, really this idea that, you know, sometimes you're mad or sometimes you're jealous or you're feeling some sort of way about your friend, but the end of the day, you really love them and you really, you know, bolster them up and you want the best for them. Um, it's so wonderful. And especially as adults, because these are like grown ass women having uh, these relationships with each other. Absolutely cool. And then you take that, that beautiful, brilliant, you know, framework of characters and friendship and you put it in a horror story. And this is where I'm like, Rachel's voice and perspective is so unique. This woman writing about female friends in a horrific situation. um, And it's just really, really unique and super captivating. And can I also say, Rachel is funny. Rachel's got jokes. She is. I, I lulled multiple times during this book. Yeah, totally lulled. Like legitimate out loud laughing. So I guess if it's not already obvious, experience score-wise, for me, this was um, this was obsession. I'm just obsessed. I'm in love with it. In love with this book. Uh, I'm calling this, pa- this, this book a page-turner for me. I could not put it down. I read it in, I think, one, maybe two sittings. Yeah. It oh, was God, real she, quick. She knows how to write yeah. captivating speed and dialogue. Gosh, her dialogue is especially something that I feel is worth um, pointing out because there is a lot of just flow and kind of boom, 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 which is how it is when you're with your friends. Um, Like there's sometimes where you don't know who's talking because the dialogue is just like coming down in a vertical line but you know the characters so well you can you know oh that's may absolutely and that's elise or you know whatever and you know i talked a little bit about the characters not um falling into tropes but what they do is fall into very real friendship dynamics almost like friendship architecture types in a way yeah Yeah. and it's not because of their personality and it's not because of who they are it's just because every group of friends has someone who is you know kind of the one who makes all the plans every group of friends (laughs) sandra looks off into the middle distance um me (laughs) every group has has the friend that's the peacemaker every group of friends has the friend that's the troublemaker i mean these these are archetypes that exist in friendships that are not that are not character tropes they're they're real social dynamics Oh, I might actually be all of those. You kind of, you kind of, you kind <laughs> see, I, I consider you more of the peacemaker. Oh, yes. Than, yes, than the am. planner. Well, I'm kind of bossy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I am, um, I am definitely a peacemaker because I can generally see two sides of something. And yeah, but um, it, yeah, but I, I guess it depends because the situation and it's a living thing. So everybody kind of takes a turn being the one or the other sometimes. Absolutely. It's yes. a it's it's a living organism. <laughs> and there's no and and just like in real life, there is no real pigeonholing for them 
either. No, there's not. Because, yeah, there's time where there's different times in the book where one of them is like feeling like kind of weak or kind of low and the others kind of rally around them. Um, There's wonderful moments of vulnerability with each of these characters as well. That was just super, super refreshing to see. And, um, you know, sometimes they're like kind of bitchy to each other, but it's all for a reason or out of love. Oh, it's just it's so perfect. And you may have a different experience than I did when it comes to them, but this is one of the rare times I can't pick a favorite. I I love I just want to be in the friend group, but I I, I can't pick a favorite because they're all just just wonderful, interesting people. Yeah, that's really, really tough. I don't think I have I don't think I have a favorite character in this book. It's an ensemble cast. I mean, there's ones that I think that I would get along with better on a day day to day one on one basis than some others. Like yeah. if I'm if I'm just like you know self inserting myself, but I like them all. Me too, and that's why they all like each other as well. <laughs> um, I'd have to say, like, I think Molly. Uh, I, I have like a little bit of a kinship with her because she's probably the most sarcastic and dry of the group. So I kind of see myself in that. But Elise is also really, really dry. I don't know. Gosh, it's hard that I love May. And then I, I love I love Julie. I love everybody. We, we love them all. We love them all. Um, I even love the innkeeper. Oh my gosh. She was She's great. so funny. And like just the way they talk about her too is just like, it's so perfect. Oh, and what a great setting. This book has a wonderful setting at this really eccentric inn. I don't know. And it's it's just like, Rachel, you're so cool for like coming up with this setting and putting these amazing people in this horrifying situation there. I guess we should say our appeal score. I think that this book, I waffle on this very strongly. As you know, I kind of base my appeal score on the uh, on the higher end on whether or not I would give it to my mom. Mm-hmm. I'm giving this book a mass appeal. Oh I my think God. that the characters are so strong and interesting that any any potential like horror things that would turn off the the people who don't like horror are 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 okay and serve as, as a frame of reference to push the characters forward mm-hmm. this is something that i'm going to recommend to my mom this is something that i think i think everyone should be reading this is for me a mass appeal book um i hear you and i think i was somewhere in like a waffling phase as well waffle iron um but <laughs> I think I, I'm just going to lean in and say mass as well, because there's definitely a lot for a lot of different people in this. And when I think of horror books, you know, I'm always thinking of my horror fam out there and thinking of, you know, this is cool, you guys, because this is something new for us. This is a new little sub genre that Rachel has carved out for herself. And I think it needs to be celebrated and shared. But I think uh, people that like contemporary people that like literary fiction uh people who like character driven kind of almost hard-hitting stuff will really get into this um it's incredibly introspective book as well and it has a lot to say about loss and about evolving as a person and yeah it's just got some cool heavy hitting stuff but it'll still make you like still make you feel a little chill up your spine. Mm-hmm. It's a very scary book. And and make no mistake, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the horror. Part of that is because it's very spoilery. Yes, yes. But this is also a terrifying book. <laughs> 
You heard it here first, people. Hey, Scott. Yes, Sandra? Let's talk to Rachel. Let's talk to Rachel. And when we get back, we'll talk spoilers. Well, everyone, without further ado, let's talk to Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. (laughs) Hi. How are you? Doing okay. Doing good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, trying to get through it. We're all just, you know, gritting our teeth. (laughs) Yep, that's it. Exactly. That's 100% right. Kind of a weird, weird time for a a debut book birthday. Yeah. um, It wasn't great (laughs) for me. but yesterday was really special. It felt like my birthday. Everyone was really, really nice. And um, my husband was like, you know what? Like, let's get dressed up. Just you and me. We'll like toast and it'll be nice. So I got dressed up and we uh, ordered takeout um, that they left in the lobby. And, it up. <laughs> and, um, and, and then I like went into the other room and I came back and on our TV was he like, secretly organized a zoom chat with like my whole publishing team my amazing mm. agent my amazing editor my publicist my like marketing team um everyone from the agency my family my friends they were all up on the screen and i was just like oh my god oh i was so surprised <gasps> and it was so nice we like all got to like talk for a while and um Eventually, people dropped, and then it was just like my close friends. So we got to catch up a little bit, and it was so nice to see their faces. And mm-hmm. it was just really special. And I like it couldn't have been it couldn't have been better. Yeah. Like so, I'm very I'm very grateful. And um, my one of my best friends just called it like the relentless pursuit of joy. <laughs> and I just thought that was so brilliant. Like even in hard times, people will relentlessly pursue joy, yes. and that's how yesterday felt. And so I, I can't complain. I, there are people who are really suffering. I'm, I'm doing okay. That's beautiful. Uh, Relentless Pursuit of Joy is my new band name. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But no, that is amazing. What a great spouse, spouse of the year over there. Yeah. I'm very happy. And now I can never complain about anything. (laughs) Oh no. You know, that's, that's the kind of person I am where I'm like, he's so great. He's so amazing. Like, Oh my gosh, if he leaves one of those, he scoops peanut butter with a spoon and like there's so much peanut butter still on the spoon. Oh, no. I can't get mad about that anymore. Like, oh, no. There goes my, <laughs> there goes my annoyance about the peanut butter spoon. I just have to forgive it forever. So but there's a, it's a double edged sword having a perfect spouse because <laughs> yes. I'm just like the, the, uh, I'm, I'm the, the bad one. No. I'm, no. I'm the problem. No way. <laughs> no, that, that, that peanut butter thing, that's a, that's a, that's a monster thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Yeah. It's just like people. use a knife. Use, use a knife. knife. <laughs> um, well, you know what? The good side is that a lot of people are um, kind of rediscovering their love of reading after they're being kind of, uh, you know, stuck inside. So I'm hoping a lot of people find their way to the return too. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I, I had one person yesterday on Twitter say that it was the first book that really helped them like that they were able to just escape into and take like a break from everything happening. And I was like, that's the biggest compliment I could ever get. Mm. And if my book gives that to anybody, then forget it. I, I'm as happy as I could be. Uh If I can provide that respite during this time, then forget it. What could be better? So Uh I hope that people are reading and 
if they pick up the return, I hope they love it. Um, but yeah, it's a good time to, to be doing any indoor activity that you can discover. Yeah. <laughs> Playing solitaire, yeah. like whatever, whatever you can find. <laughs> yeah. Escaping into a book. I mean, it's funny because yeah, for us readers, we're like, duh, that's like what life is all about. But, um, <laughs> but it's always good to welcome new people to the club. Get on the bandwagon. Yes. Yes. Remember, remember books. <laughs> They're so wonderful. They're so good. Audio books. You could listen to audio books. Mm-hmm. You can read ebooks. There are so many ways to consume books. Oh, it's so and to true. talk about books. And yes. then you can discover Bookstagram and look at all these gorgeous <laughs> covers. And it's just, it's just cue, cue Aladdin, a whole new world. Like, <laughs> welcome. Yeah. We're here for you. <laughs> yes. We will be your guide. <laughs> yes. Um, actually, speaking of The Return, uh, what inspired you to write this novel? Your first novel? Yes. Um, first published novel. I have drafts in drawers that are just like, bleh. Um, but <laughs> I, I really like to write about relationships. Um, and my relationships with my friends are the most important to me and the most profound. And they're the most complicated. Um, and I think for me, I there aren't many novels that I think like portray female friendship in a way that felt truthful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think summer sisters by Judy Bloom is very real. And I think uh, truth and beauty by Ann Patchett, which is nonfiction. Those are the two books that I read about female friendship that I was like, yes, because they're nuanced. It's not just like we're best friends. Everything's perfect. <laughs> um, because that's not true to life at all. No. Um, so that's what inspired me. I wanted to write a book about female friendship. I love to write about female friendship. Um, I could write about it forever and I probably will. Um, and then the horror element, I just love the genre. And I think horror can really elevate stories and stories can elevate horror. And so it just seemed like the right genre for this book because mm-hmm. a lot of it is about when your friends change mm-hmm. and turn into people or things you don't recognize and how scary that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's fear and fear is a really, really powerful emotion. And I think fear unites us all because we all, we all feel it. Mm. So, um, that's why it was kind of the combination of both the, I wanted to write a book about female friendship and then I love to write horror. So that's how the two things kind of came together. Well, I definitely yeah. picked up the theme of, of friends changing, but um, she changes a lot in this book. What was the inspiration for what she has become? So I didn't want to tie it to any particular like folklore or creature because I think that sort of would, then that mythology I think would take away from like the purpose of the book, which was more about friendship because then they'd be like, Oh, well, like, what's the mythology of this creature? Mm. Um, but it was loosely based on a Wendigo. Oh, I yes. knew um, it. I knew it. We knew it. We yeah. knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that was because that's a creature that like consumes other creatures. Yes. So that kind of feeding off of other people. And I think when you have like a friend and it's not working, mm-hmm. it feels very draining. Mm-hmm. Um, they just feed off your energy. So I think that's why that's kind of where I came up with, like, I want to use this creature, this kind of loosely based on this creature, a creature who feeds. Yeah. Um, so that's where it came from. But I didn't want to have it like completely be that because then I think it's it could have been kind of distracting, um, which, you know, maybe I could have had a whole mythology. And then there are some people who are like, 
I don't know. What is this creature? Is it a vampire? Is it like some people like to have all the answers, but um, I'm a bit more like I like to leave things a bit open to interpretation. Yes. I I appreciate how original it was. Yes. Uh, So, I mean, we're obviously like we're huge horror fans, especially me. I I live for horror. I I really do. But um, so we and we love a cryptid. So we were both just kind of like well versed enough to be like, oh, this is adjacent but (laughs) but we agree i mean we love ambiguity and i think um you handled it really beautifully really really thank you yeah thank you um so back on that note of female friendship because that is a subject i've been really fascinated with for especially my entire adult life i admire how you kept the story from being like catty and full of girl hate and i think that's part of what made it feel so authentic to me do you think that we're past the days of girl-on-girl hate in media? No, absolutely not. Um, no. Because I think a lot, part of the reason why, like, I feel very steadfast in writing characters that feel true to life mm-hmm. and who are flawed. And, like, I've seen people who, like, everybody loves to hate a woman who has any flaw. Anybody love like, it's, and people love to hate a woman who's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's just this... Like, I don't know, I see it a lot. And it's very disheartening. But I'm very committed to writing characters who I feel are true. And I think women have a right to screw up and have a right to be flawed. And, you know, I don't it's the, you know, like Tony Soprano, everybody loves Tony Soprano. But like, Carmela, people are like, Oh, she's, you know, she's true. Like, it's the same thing. Like, I love Carmela. I'm a huge Carmela fan. But like, I think it's not, it's, it's, there's something unfair about it. And so like, I'm going to write characters who have affairs, who are bad with money, who lie Mm. because people make mistakes and people do bad things and people make choices that aren't great. And I think women should be able to make those choices and be in books and media. We should have characters who like are flawed and like that should be acceptable. So I'm going to, march forward with that even (laughs) if people are like well why did Elise do this and she's complaining (laughs) because (laughs) you know what like are you perfect right (laughs) have you you, like you don't know how you would react in a situation until you're in the situation so I think it's easy to question people's motives but like you have to be forgiving and you have to be understanding of other people and women who in the past haven't got a lot of wiggle room to yeah. make those mistakes. I think I'm ranting now because oh, my, my, no. my feminist is just like, Whoa. <laughs> no, it's like incredible Hulk. <laughs> she Hulk. <laughs> um, no, I, I uh, completely agree. And I think you put it really eloquently uh, that that's it. Exactly. Is there's, it's a societal thing of just like, no, you women must fight each other. And like, <laughs> you know, kind of pit us against one another. And and it's not fair because like you said, we're all flawed. All humans, all genders are flawed. And um, that's where a lot of the good character stuff comes from and what makes us all unique. And yeah, no, I think he did a a wonderful job. Thank you. And I think like I wanted to have, like, I feel like most portrayals of female friendship are either they're catty Mm -hmm. or they love each other and it's we're just the best friends ever (laughs) and it's somewhere in between a lot of the time it's somewhere in between and a lot of the I think a lot of the like cattiness comes from not being honest with yourself and not being honest with your friends Mm -hmm. and I think that's 
particularly with women, and I'm talking a lot about women, but in I'm sure in this surfaces in male friendships or any kind of male female friendship, any gender, mm-hmm. you know, any orientation, whatever. I think it's a universal thing. Yeah. Where like you can love somebody and be very close with them and they can like you can be jealous of them. Mm-hmm. They could be doing better than you. They could um you know, be posting pictures on Instagram and you'd be like, my life sucks. Their life's awesome. Like, mm. how did this happen? And like resentment can build up or like a lot of these situations arise and you kind of just suppress those emotions because they're ugly mm. and because they're not, it's not acceptable to be like, Hey, like I'm jealous. Like your life yeah. looks great. I'm not doing well. There's a lot of like shame and a lot of things at play mm-hmm. that we just don't feel comfortable talking about. So instead we just like go to our other friend and be like, have you seen this person's post? Like, ah, blah, blah. <laughs> like that's how it, that's how it surfaces. And I think if we can be honest with each other, mm-hmm. um, I had a friend who, one of my closest friends, we had some tension in our early twenties. Um, and she was in a very different place than I was. Um, but we kind of stopped talking and, um, she came to me and was like, I'm really depressed. Like I'm not doing well. And I was like, I'm really depressed. I'm not doing well. And like, I thought she was doing fine and like happy in her life. And she looked at me and thought I was doing fine. Because I think especially in this time with social media, there's just a lot of pressure to be like, I'm doing great. Look at me. Everything's great. Hello. (laughs) And that's like, it's hard to just be like, you know what, like, things suck right now. And like, I'm broke. And I'm not doing what I want to do. And things are hard. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm breaking out and it's hard to just be honest. (laughs) There's always a filter on something. And so uh, I think if we can be, take steps to be more honest and understanding, it would eliminate some of that cattiness. And so um, that's something I tried to address in the book without mentioning any social media at all, because Mm -hmm. it sucks. (laughs) Just like ignoring it. Just like, it's my book. I'll just pretend it doesn't exist. No, it's so true. It's like social media is like, it's it's got some really amazing things to it. And it's got some really dark sides to it. And um, no, I, I appreciate that. Gosh, it was so I didn't even notice till you just said it wasn't even in the book. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Good job. (laughs) Um, Kind of on that note, too, talking about women and talking about your characters, they're so beautifully unique and no resorting to tropes or stereotypes. How did these characters come to you? Did they did they, you know, kind of like beat down the door and say, hey, write a story about us? Or were they people that you knew? So I... I sound like a psychopath when I talk about characters because they very much just kind of walk into my head and then tell me who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and for this, so I like wrote an outline for the return and I wrote like a backstory of each of the character. I kind of was like, this is who this person is. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just unfolded really naturally. Um, I also write really early in the morning. I have a day job. So I write at like four thirty five AM before mm-hmm. coffee. So like, I don't, particularly remember how this happened but I'm pretty sure this did I write most everything in a haze and then I'm like good for you Rach you did it (laughs) um so but they very much like tell me who they are Mm -hmm. um and I try and like I don't set out to write a character who's like who checks boxes Mm -hmm. I just try and like write a character who I think is interesting and like I want to (laughs) know um yes and so it's kind of a hybrid of that and there's a lot of me 
in all four of the characters, um, which is terribly narcissistic, but very true. Um, and kind of how I am in my friend, like, cause I think in friendships, you play different roles with different friends mm-hmm. and, um, sometimes within the same friendship, you can switch roles and things will be different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried to put a lot of that into the book. And also some of the traits are from my friends and, and people I know. Um, so mm-hmm. like in terms of like the dynamic, like the May character in terms of her being like, all right, I'm the organizer. Um, one of my close friends is, I call her the nucleus of the friend group because <laughs> she is like, she organizes everything. Everybody looks to her and then she organizes everything. And then something goes wrong. People are like, like it falls on her shoulder. Right. So that's kind of how like, and then May's fashion sense. Um, one of my other close friends worked in fashion and she's always got like the coolest fashion sense. And, um, so there's like certain little bits like that, that I, um, put into my characters, but, um, it's, so it's a combination of things, people I know, a lot of me, mm-hmm. and then people like, I want to create a character who's interesting and who deserves to be mm-hmm. in the world. And I can feel proud of creating and even though I don't feel like I create them, I feel like they exist on their own, which is part of the psychopath. <laughs> like, not the psychopath thing. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> you don't sound like a psychopath at okay, all. Good. That's so many of the authors that we've talked to and authors that we love. They they say the same thing. The characters right. are, they're real people. And <laughs> they, you know, they want to have their stories told. And I think that's why we readers love them so much. I, I like knowing that other people are like that, too. So I'm not yes. over here just like, what, what Molly, what'd you say? <laughs> uh, right, right. Yeah. Well, what I took from that is the secret to writing is before coffee, which sounds <laughs> horrible. Yeah, <laughs> you're brave soul, brave soul. Well, I, I, if you're kind of half awake when you do it, when you come back to it, you're like, well, I did something. Like, it's just such a hate. <laughs> like, I, I was working on a book and I kind of wrote it like super like feverishly like I needed to like I wanted to get it done people were asking and so I did it and then I'm like going back now and reading it and I'm like laughing to myself I'm like I forgot I wrote this (laughs) so sometimes as a writer you write something and then you go back and you're like oh my god I hate myself (laughs) and other times as a writer you go back and you're like this is it like you know I'm Miss America everything is great so I'll I'll take the ladder if I can. <laughs> Your Twilight Time uh, writing reminds me of that, you know, Hemingway quote, like, write drunk, edit sober. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a more socially responsible way. Yeah, write before caffeine and then edit with caffeine. <laughs> exactly. I, I recommend that a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I love that. I highly recommend that. So what is your favorite step of the writing process? I like the downdraft. Just when, so I, I write, I try and write pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm working on a novel, I try and write like a thousand words a day. Um, just like hit that word count, pick up the momentum. Um, and that's really fun for me. And then I think the first edit pass, like when I go back and read through my uncaffeinated writing, that can be fun <laughs> for me too. Um, cause again, I'm like discovering things. I'm like, Oh, this was really good. <laughs> and then if it's something's bad, then I can fix it. But, yeah. um, it's kind of like a, like opening up a time capsule. I did like, two months ago and just completely forgot about. <laughs> um, so I think that's the fun part. Just me and my work. Yeah. That's because I first, I mean, I've been writing for, I mean, I've been writing for my whole life, but I've been like really focused on writing novels for maybe like 
six or seven years, mm-hmm. just like kind of writing drafts. And, and so I think it was interesting for the return because when I wrote it, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have an editor or nothing. Mm-hmm. So when I like when other people got involved, it was like and they would talk about my characters. I'm like, how do you know? Like, it was just a very weird, <laughs> surreal <laughs> experience. And now it's out in the world. So everybody knows. But um, I think for me, it's like something's really special about that moment where it's just you and your work and you can be excited about it. And it feels like safe and protected. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel I trust my editor and my agent like implicitly. But like, there's something really special, I think, about just that really like creative initial process. It's mm-hmm. just, I love it. Very special. Oh. I think that's what sustains you as a writer. If you're like, out there writing because you're like i want to be a published author and like i want awards and i want like praise (laughs) it's not sustainable because there's a lot of rejection and it's a lot of work and it's hard but there's if you can enjoy the like beginning creative process then that's enough to sustain you well i love that answer that's a really really good answer Uh, (laughs) um so i have to I have to ask this question. So like I told you, we're well, what we review here is like horror, sci-fi and fantasy. And we love horror, especially me. I'm a huge dyed in the wool horror fan. So since you mentioned that you love horror, can you share with us some of your favorite scary things, books, movies? So my favorite horror movie is called The Orphanage. (gasps) Love that movie. Yeah. Um, I watched the first time I watched it. So um, one of my best friends in college, Maria, she's a huge horror fan. And like, I, I always have been like sneakily obsessed with like the macabre, Yes. but I'm afraid of everything, which I think <laughs> helps me write horror. But like, I'm very like, I, if I watch something that scares me, it affects me very deeply. Oh. And so we watched the first half of that movie and there's an event that happens and I'll tell you, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but we can talk about it. I'll tell you what it is later. <laughs> um, halfway through the movie, and it was a rainy day, and we were in her dorm room, and I had a panic attack. I was like, I cannot finish watching this movie. I'm so terrified. Ooh. And I went upstairs, and then I woke up the next day, and I was like, we have to finish watching. <laughs> and so, like, so, and then we finished watching, and now it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's beautiful and brilliant. Um, and just uh, chef's kiss, Mwah. like just the best. <laughs> um, highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, and then Devil's Backbone is also up there oh. in terms of movies. Mm-hmm. And Jaws is actually one of the first movies I remember seeing yes. growing up. I think I was like three when I watched it. Like my wow. mom just kind of showed me, and I'm grateful for it. Um, it's just like I remember being on my couch and, you know, my childhood home watching it and like, I always have to put my feet up now because I like, I remember being like, there's a shark that's going to come. Like, even though I was like in my living room on drive. Yes. It's like, no. Um, yeah. And so that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then for books, I mean, Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. obviously The Shining. I think I called The Shining like the drunk uncle to the return. <laughs> it's very, like, a direct link. I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan as well. Like the Twilight Zone, I'm like, I worship at the altar of the Twilight Zone. Um, so, and there's some episodes that are really scary of yes. the Twilight Zone. Yes. Terrifying. What's I, your favorite Twilight Zone episode? I have to know. Yeah. Ooh, probably to serve man. Yes. <laughs> yes that's what it's, it's about. It's a favorite. cookbook. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Twilight. There's a lot of them that are really good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I quote it a lot, and most people are like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> That's um, okay. We're your people. We get yes. we speak Twilight yes. Zone fluently. Yeah, I love it. Except I watched. I was watching the Twilight Zone at midnight this year to come into 2020, and like now that everything that's happened, I was like, maybe that was a bad idea. <laughs> like next New Year's Eve, I'm gonna watch like I don't know Toy Story or like something yeah. like very Sound of Music. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, like scared. I'm just gonna sit in silence. Yeah, and just, like, <laughs> you're like, was this an omen? Did I bring this yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. I was listening to uh, what, that was the Talkie Tina one. Oh, Talkie mm-hmm. Tina. Oh, and before a- it was the it was the dummy one. That one oh. was terrifying. Yeah, that's one of the scariest ones I think. That's a classic. Oh my goodness. No, you are you are among friends. You are definitely our type of <laughs> our type of horror fan. Love it. Yeah. So, can you hint about any future projects that you may have coming up? Anything in the works that you're looking to get out there? I say anything for certain but i can uh-huh. be very cryptic about um <laughs> there is more to come from me yay, so yay. <laughs> um yes i'm i will always be working because i cannot not <laughs> be writing um so uh yeah and i i also had two short stories come out fairly recently so if people want more from me now and cannot wait <laughs> um, after reading the return uh they're up on my website and on my Twitter and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, one is called Goblin and it's up at Electric Lit, which is Twilight Zone E and uh, <gasps> Black Mirror E. That's kind of what you're into. And then uh, another one's called Good Bones and it's up at Guernica. Um, and so, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So, uh, additional question. So, you say you, you, you love to write and you've been writing a long time. What is the first story that you remember writing? So I have a very distinct memory of dictating a story to my mother um, before I could even write. So, but I don't remember what that story was about. But like all my story, like I was very dramatic. I am a very dramatic person, but I've always been deeply affected by stories and like the drama of stories. So from a young age, there was a lot of death. And I think that's because like there was always a death in a Disney movie. So any movie I was seeing, there was death. So I was like, I got, I got to use death. So every one of my childhood stories involves death. And I have a very distinct memory of writing a story where somebody got rolled over like they did in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh. Like a horrible <laughs> Wow. But like this is like me, like child child handwriting. <laughs> if you can picture it, like and I drew a little picture right. of somebody getting <laughs> So like I was even though like I haven't been like a horror writer my whole life, like I've been a horror writer my whole life. <laughs> it's in your blood. So, yeah. Yeah, I was I was a very fucked up child. I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm still scarred by the shoe. Oh, the shoe. Uh, no, no. Poor There's shoe. some we I feel like kids movies today aren't as traumatizing mm. and I feel like it shows. Yes. Like, the next generation is not prepared for the world like we are. <laughs> I, They're out there like yeah. licking things in public right now and we're like inside like <laughs> You know what? We saw Brave Little Toaster when we were little, and you had fault. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. obvious what we know versus what you know. Exactly. The, we were, yeah, we were raised on the, on the hard stuff. It's true. Yeah. So good. Oh, my gosh. Um, so you mentioned your website. And we did talk, you know, of course, you got to be on social media these days. So yeah. where can our listeners find you? 
So I'm on Twitter at RachFaceLogic, which obviously I wasn't planning on being a writer when I created my Twitter. <laughs> Actually, I didn't create my Twitter handle. My friends did in a bar in like 2011. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and my website is um, Rachel-Harrison.com. And then I just got Instagram. I, I caved. Yeah. I caved after years of not having Instagram. Um, and I got it. And it's at Rachel Harrison's ghost. Mm-hmm. So... Yes. I love that handle. Yeah. Oh, I just pulled it up and one of my college ex boyfriends just followed me. So, oh, you know what? Don't oh, welcome be on to Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Don't be on Instagram. <laughs> right. Don't be on it. Don't do it. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a great Instagram name, though. That's an awesome Instagram. Yeah, I wish I thought of that for my my Twitter handle, which every time it's like on my book now. I'm just like, I'm really glad that, like, at this, like, like tiki themed bar in a basement in New York where we were all like, drunk at like 21 <laughs> they're like you have to get twitter we'll get it for you <laughs> and like that one of my best friends used to best friends like douche boyfriends used to call me rage face and so <laughs> that's where it came from so wow. here we are now yeah now my debut novel has this <laughs> drunken ex-boyfriend <laughs> nickname on it but you know what try and get by my clumsy charm like yeah <laughs> we got such is life. It, yeah. It, it's life. it feels appropriate. Yeah. I love yeah, I mean, it. It's my logic. That's what you'll find. <laughs> you'll find some self-deprecating humor and <laughs> some pictures and observations. And yeah, sometimes I think of stuff and I tweet it out and make myself giggle. And that's all, that's all you can really hope for, to just make yourself yeah. laugh. I agree. I agree. Well, I love it. And you're very funny. So I... Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, fantastic. I cannot wait to read some more of your work. This was one of my most anticipated books of the year. So I'm so, so glad I got to get my greedy little hands on it, my greedy little raccoon paws on it, <laughs> and to talk to you. What an honor. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was so much fun, and it's been a great distraction from reality. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I, I hope you love the book. And yeah, this is fun. Welcome back. Thank you again, Rachel, for that interview. Gosh, you're so kick-ass. We love you. And it was such a pleasure, and we're so grateful to have you on the show. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. So let's spoil this book. Let's spoil this wonderful, beautiful book. This is not a long book, and yet it's a lot packed into it. And also, I still wanted like 500 additional pages of this, this book. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. There's a, there was a point in this book, I was probably about two thirds of the way through and I said, you know, I really love the pacing of this book. I'm really happy of the size of it. Yeah. This is the kind of book that could definitely have been written in a Stephen King style where it was 700 pages. Yes. Because there is enough there to do it. And I would have read it and gobbled up every word happily. I know you would have. So, okay. I This is the part of this book that I've really been wanting to talk to somebody about. Really, really wanting to. Uh, horror elements aside, what did you think of Lise going to her boyfriend's house in that whole portion of the book? Because 
let me just kind of give you a little leeway. Mm -hmm. I have never read a book where somebody did something like that and where the character is not presented as a bad villain for doing what she did. Like if there was something similar to it, it'd be like, oh, because they're like a bad character or whatever. And it's like, she's not bad. We know Elise. She's not a bad person. Elise is very strongly written to show her, um, I guess, to, to, to put out her emotional baggage and her um, psychological stresses. Yeah. And she has a, I mean, I'm not going to sit here like a therapist and diagnose her, but I will just say that there are a lot of things about her personality and about the the way that she handles stresses Mm -hmm. that I sympathize with Mm -hmm. and even relate to a little bit. Yeah. Um, There's a, the way that she's written in that scene is she's so disconnected. Yes. It's, it's like she's, she's not, she's not, she's not mentally connected to her body at that point. Like it's her decision. She's not out of control. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's almost a cold unfeeling. It's like a ghost or something. Yes. She's just kind of haunting this space. And the way that she, she's almost like, I want to be friends with this lady. And it speaks so, so much. It speaks volumes about Elise. Just that whole passage of her going to the house and seeing the things and getting this glimpse into her, you know, boyfriend's life. This man that she's been carrying on an affair with for was like a couple of years or something. Yeah, moved for him. And, you know... It's it's found like it goes into her her subconscious uh, her subconscious reasoning of what she does, where she's really she's not so much in love with a person, although she did love him. Yeah, yeah. But she's in love with what they have. They have like just the light, pretty, simple, easy stuff of a relationship. They don't have the the dirty nuts and bolts. You know, you said you were going to empty the dishwasher and you didn't. Um, you shaved and left your hair all over the sink. Like, But it, she wants that. She de- But she doesn't have it. Exactly. Yeah. She doesn't have the real relationship, the real day-to-day relationship. Uh, uh, connection with somebody on 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 just a regular basis where you come home to the same person every day and there's the minutia and there's you know their toys left on the ground from the kids and there's yeah. the dirty dishes in the sink she doesn't have that she's never really had that right it's the same thing with Julie's husband she yeah. doesn't fall in love with Julie's husband but she and she's not even and she's not jealous right. she's just she's there's a there's a there's a subconscious fantasizing of having that. It's like borrowing someone's life yes, or something. Yes. It's kind of the best way I could think about it. And um yeah, it it was just so interesting that Rachel let that character go there and explore that part of herself and I really admired the way her friends you know, they have feelings and really their feelings about the affair is that they just want better for her. Yeah. But they're not mad at her. They don't slut shame her. Anything like that. I mean, you know, it takes two to tango, obviously. Yes. And but there's something so like 
it just makes you sigh. It just makes you exasperated. Like, come on, girl. Like, you deserve better. Yeah. It, there's a... It's very, it must be very difficult to write the kind of reactions that her friends have to what she's doing. It, that, that careful balance of, you know, seeing someone that you love and you care about making the wrong decisions, not only for herself, but for other people around her. Right. And to say, that's not okay. And what you're doing is not okay. Yeah. But what I'm concerned about is is you. Yeah, because that's where your friends should be. And I like to think in my version of this that she does move at the end of the like New York or LA, wherever she wants to be. I don't know if she would move to LA across the country. I don't know if she could afford to live in New York. But I like to think she got out of Buffalo because I I don't know. I don't I don't like her there. I don't I don't like her there anymore. She wasn't living her best life. Yeah. And after everything she's been through, she deserves more. Well, I think what's what I took from this story is not so much that she that Buffalo was the problem. Mm-hmm. What I took from this story when it comes to Elise is her not living her life yes. and appreciating what she has. Yes. And, and using that and using that as a joy in herself. <laughs> and as horror often does, one will learn that lesson by overpaying. <laughs> <laughs> um so we were both really, really overjoyed to hear that part of Rachel's inspiration. But it was loosely based on a Wendigo. Oh, I yeah. knew uh, it. I knew it. We knew it. We yeah. knew it. <laughs> so that was it. Uh, Scott and I <laughs> were both very overjoyed because we both felt really smart, really proud of ourselves because we got Wendigo vibes from Julie, which was part of Rachel's inspiration for what Julie becomes. Um Awesome. Pat ourselves on the back. Pat ourselves on the back. Round of applause. But uh, the point of the matter is, is that Rachel did not make a Wendigo. No, she didn't make any cryptid that I was familiar with. I got vibes yeah. from many of them. I got Slenderman vibes when I she was first Slenderman. 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 I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> you really are. We've been caged together too long. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I got Slenderman vibes when when she, uh, she was first describing what was chasing Julie, and then there was Wendigo, and then there was even like a little bit of vampire stuff in yeah, there, and kind of a ghosty, ghouly, yeah, kind of thing too. You know, definitely ghouly because it's like a eating people thing, but also just kind of like this this phantom. I really I pictured them as like these almost like these exaggerated shadows just kind of soaring and flitting from shadow to shadow through the world and through the forest. And they're like, it's a pack. It's a pack mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved, from a horror perspective, just all of that. And then also the fact that they let her go because it was almost as if they were like, well, you'll be back. Yeah, well, and she's not a prisoner. No. They chose her. Yeah. They 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 brought her in, but she's not a prisoner. She's not their um property. She's part of the pack. She's yeah. one of them. But it's it I mean they had to have known she'd be back because you can't you can't live among people when you've crossed the veil. Well, yeah, I mean the amount of death that she has to cause in order to stay in that body is is huge. Yeah. I mean, she's eating 
one to two people a day. Plus just trying to supplement with all this meat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's too much. And I, I imagine that when they're in their, you know, kind of spectral form, they probably don't need to eat that much. I think it's when you're in the, the body. I think, I think that that was more required to maintain the physical form. Yeah. That is how I took it as well. Um, I also think that it's a little bit of um, an energy, a psychic vampirism too, because I feel that she was draining her friends. She was. And that is so, (laughs) it's a double entendre, right? Because she was draining them physically. She was also draining them emotionally because of, you know, and it's so, so beautiful the way Rachel is not heavy handed with this stuff. But that's obviously a part of it is, you know, Everybody except Elise, they they grieved when well, the husband Tristan, right? They grieved. They they moved on. They mourned, and then she's back, and she's so magnanimous, and she takes so much out of her friends. And I mean, they love her, and she's great, and she loves them. And it's not like it's you know she just takes and takes from people. But at the same time, it's like she is a bit of a taker. She is a bit of a taker, and and she's kind of forcing her friends to prove themselves to her to prove that they love her and prove that they care about her oh which is not a good place to come from especially elise yes there's a lot of symbolism in this book yeah i i feel like something i wish that i had asked her and didn't think of is when she when she was creating what uh julie was to become i wonder if I wonder which direction she came at it from because I feel like all of the traits that this this cryptid that she had become had were symbolisms for a uh, an unhealthy friendship for kind of parasitic yes yeah um that's a huge part of it and I think that and I feel like Rachel kind of touched on this in the interview too is there's times when friendships turn that way and they can feel like like a drain and like you're just giving and giving so much and the exchange is not there mm-hmm. and i mean gosh again so much with the symbolism because it's almost like julie's julie's changed julie has changed and yet she's trying to make it all how it was and it's like but you can't and you can't ask people to change back for you either well and Again, and and one of the strongest themes that this book leaves with is honesty, emotionally and and just personal honesty with the people you care about. She was expecting her friends to accept her as the new her without communicating to her friends who she was now. Yeah. Yeah, exa- exactly. And just being like, accept me, accept me, I mean, and do what I want. I feel like if she had just come out from the very beginning and said, hey, so here's the deal. Yeah. Uh, I think her friends might have had a different reaction. It may have ended up the same, but I think at least Elise might have actually been like, well, okay, let's find you some meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I do know what you mean. And that's an interesting question. And I mean, I think that's definitely true with Elise because she really is there when Julie looks really freaking scary and she stays, um, at least for <laughs> a little bit. There's a lot There's a lot with those friends where they don't, they don't, um, 
It's like, I don't approve, but I accept because you're yeah, you. Because we love you. Um, no, it's very true. And I mean, kind of the big Oprah aha moment of the book comes when Elise realizes, Julie's trying to drag me down. Yes. And that is 100% true of how people do to others. Um, and... That's not how their relationship or their friendship was or was supposed to be, um, but it changed. And then she's like, wait a minute, just just wait a second here. What? This isn't fair. And that's the truth, because in life, whenever someone is trying to drag you down, they are literally trying to drag you down to their level. They want to take you from your happiness and put you in their misery. And one of the hardest things is when that's someone that you love and care about, someone who you used to have a connection with and, you know, they they they've gone to a place where they just can't they can't they can't come up to you. They they you're no longer lifting each other up. They're pulling you down. Right. And it's a very hard thing to accept of somebody and a very hard thing to say goodbye to that person. Right. And I mean, because if confronted and they're not willing to work on it or make it better, you have to walk away then because then it's just a toxic situation. Um, and I I did like how May and Molly, like they didn't want to leave her there and stuff. Like they really try, like they really loved her. It wasn't like they were just so happy to like be gone or be rid of her or anything. Um, yeah, it was lots of feels, had lots of feelings in that whole book. Um, loved the feelings of uh, FOMO a little bit, that fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like why Lise was always early for everything. And, you know, <laughs> why Julie was always late and stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's so interesting because there's just people you know and this matches them. You can see them and people in your life. So one thing that you told me um, when you're reading it, and we don't discuss the books when we're reading them, but you did say, wow, she writes anxiety so well. Yeah. And I related to the way that she handled some of the some of the anxiety that she had, particularly uh, thinking of the absolute worst case scenario. Yes. Um, I've, I've, seen traits of that anxiety in other people that I care about and, and I have heard a bit similarities. Of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You have some? Yeah. It's so real and so I, I felt that so much when she's talking about how she's, you know, she loves her friends, but then she'll be afraid that, you know, they don't actually want her around mm-hmm. or, oh, what if these two are actually closer to each other than they are to me? And what if I'm the odd one out or all this yeah. kind of stuff? Like, I feel that. Yeah. I, I, it's such relatable stuff. It's really relatable. And I it's think- not her being, you know, annoyingly self-deprecating or anything like that. It's like a real, like, concern. <laughs> yeah, and she doesn't let it cripple her. No. I mean, she she still is... When she's with her friends, she's there. It's it's when you it's when you walk away and you start to think about it and you give yourself a chance to worry that those are the fears that come up for a lot of people. Yeah. Um absolutely beautiful, wonderful, funny, god so funny. I laughed out loud so many times in this book. There was a few parts that really had me like roll into. But... Pretty much any time they were talking about the innkeeper, I laughed. <laughs> because it was like we <laughs> We've we've all done that. Yeah. It wasn't mean. It wasn't right. like just mean spirited. It was playfully 
it was it was playfully mischievously evil in a way. <laughs> uh, what's the type of things friends do when they're yeah. together? They kind of create a little funny mentality, a little us versus them mentality. Um, how much do you want to stay at this inn? Because I want to be there. Oh, see, that's interesting. I do not. <gasps> oh my gosh, that I is want to. Not be- my jam. Oh my gosh, this place is so extra. It's very me. <laughs> it really is. I, I, I'll tell you why. Okay, you want to talk about anxiety? Do you want to know why I don't want to stay there? Why? Because I would be staying in a room and I would say, well, what if this other room was better? And what if this other room is better? (laughs) There's 50 rooms here. Every single one is different. What if I'm in the worst room? I could not handle that. No. Okay, but if you got to pick which room you wanted. That would be even worse because (laughs) then I would have to pick. I might be able to do it if someone picked for me. I'll pick. I'll pick. Uh, but but even then, like, no, nah, that like there's things about it. I like the uh, the movie theater that's that's underneath. There's an it. indoor heated pool. I'm always down for that. Yeah, I love the movie theater. I, but it sounds like there's a lot of activities. I, I like uh, the the rooms are really what bothers me. Oh my god, I loved it. I loved it so much. Ah, I want to stay in every room. But I, I also appreciate all of them you know the way they handle it's like like i don't know whether i love this room or hate this room i can't i like very conflicted but see there was um i mean again i see all of all of us and all of these women but uh especially there was something about may that was really on point with you and kind of like well what if you don't like it or oh, like yeah. you know and being like no and just wanting to be like they they make fun of her for being like this little perfect southern hospitality lady but it's yeah it's like you just want everybody to be comfortable and everybody be happy and if they don't it's like i'm responsible i mean i love i love how you know we talk about these characters are not tropes and they're not but i'm the may (laughs) (laughs) if we're gonna if we're gonna boil this down to sex in the city type stuff i am the may i'm a may because it's true (laughs) there's a there's a lot of pressure in at least for me in organizing something and you know, when you're the one who makes the decision, if somebody is unhappy with the decision you made, that's just the worst. But you're it's n- the worst. But you're not the planner, so that's why you're not really the May. Uh, well, because the May would do it anyway. Uh, I mean, that's true. I mean, we're talking like again; these characters <laughs> no, don't fall into we're, specific. We're tropes, a blend of but, all of them. We're all a blend of all. But of them. I absolutely feel that. Yeah. I mean, we have friends who are planners who they don't they don't give a flying fig whether you enjoy it or not they were put in charge of planning it they planned it they know it's awesome if you don't like it that's your problem (laughs) that's not necessarily a planner trait that you're worried about you know what other people feel about the decisions you made right but i i definitely feel that responsibility like when picking out what we're having what you and i are going to have for dinner like and if you know that's a real thing you know what i mean like well if i say i want mexican and she doesn't want mexican but maybe she'll go and she'll get it anyway but she'll be unhappy like that's a lot that's that is definitely how how my brain works and i have to laugh because it's such a silly scenario but i don't mean to laugh at your struggles <laughs> no I, um, I no and i you and i know each other pretty well you know what i'm talking about we do and like i i really do see myself as a combination of all of them definitely. oh me too for sure yeah, definitely but um i loved it love this book i can't wait to read more from rachel rachel keep churning out these brilliant beautiful horror books and without further ado 
How many Patsies out of five would you give this book? We're cloning Patsy? We're cloning Patsy. Patsy! Want me to go first? Go for it. Uh, I'm going to give this book, not surprisingly, five out of five Patsies. Um, moccasins and all. Um, I think that this book is beautiful, refreshing, wonderful addition to the horror genre. Um, uh, a place... A wonderful niche has been carved out and Rachel made it herself and it's so true to her voice and who she is and the type of horror that she wants to present. And I think it's going to be a wonderful bridge to get a lot of people into horror um, who maybe thought it wasn't for them. And it's it's something nice and a new refreshing twist for established horror fans. It's great for um, anybody who is a woman or likes women uh, to understand the way like a female friendship can work brilliant brilliantly done rachel i have to agree we're gonna clone patsy and we're gonna keep five of them to run the inn it's five out of five patsies this book is fabulous it is it is a it is a strong horror story on its own with great characters and very strong symbolism that comes at you over time as well as beats you over the head, which is how I like it. I like to, I, I, it gives you like the strong themes and there's a lot of subtext in there as well. I, I love it so much. And I have a prediction about this book. What is it? I think for you particularly, this is going to be the book to beat in 2020. Ooh, interesting. I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself on that. Okie doke. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Since last year, we knew what your book of the year was in March. Yeah. No, <laughs> That's it what we knew all March. year. Was, wasn't it like August? No, it was pretty early on in the year, I think. Jeez, oh, I don't remember. <sighs> anyway, I've got to go. I've got to go check on my island. And I ha- I don't have anything as, as fun to do as that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Sandra. Stay safe, be generous and loving to one another, and please keep reading past your bedtime. We've been caged together too long. Caged together too long.